Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Tonight's reading comes from John chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. Uh, just a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus has received a message that his good friend Lazarus is quite sick. And a couple of days later, uh, Jesus says to, tells his disciples that um, Lazarus has fallen asleep, uh, meaning that he's died. Uh, and the passage picks up as um, Jesus arrives um, at the house of Lazarus, or just outside it, in Bethany. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, Noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. 
Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Steve. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here and uh, what a great passage we have to look at tonight. Though a confronting passage because in it we talk about life but we also need to talk about death so that we can understand life and that can be a bit confronting. In fact, Julie and I were watching a TV show just recently where in one of the scenes the uh, characters had to lie down in the ground to confront their death. Confronting death, it's uh, claimed, enables us to live properly. It's long been said that death is a natural part of life. Sigmund Freud went even further. He said, the goal of all life is death. Now, many of you have been in the position recently where in one way or another you've had to confront death, perhaps the death of someone who you loved, perhaps the death of uh, someone who you've respected uh, but maybe not known personally. And from time to time we all have to confront the reality of our own death. What do you think about death? On December 8, 1985, I know, well before most of you were born, maybe before your parents were born. But back then, I took a phone call, yes we did have phones, from my uncle. My parents were out of the house and my uncle had to tell me the news that my pop, my dad's dad, had just passed away. I was in shock at hearing that news. I loved my pop. And for the next hour or so, I just sobbed. Death. It certainly didn't seem to have anything to do with life. It destroyed life. Death had come and taken the life of someone I loved, stolen them away from me. If death was just a part of life, it was certainly an unwelcome part of life. Yet in his death there was also life. My pop was a Christian man and he died in faith and at his funeral people spoke about Jesus and the hope of resurrection because of Jesus. I can't remember but they probably even read the Bible verse that's at the crux of this passage. Death is not part of life, but life can be part of death. We see this to be true in the way that Jesus encounters death and brings life in John chapter 11. And the crux of the story, the the, the verse at the centre of all this, is Jesus' great I am statement in verse 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me, even though they die, will live. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Notice what Jesus says. He doesn't simply say, I can provide resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. In Jesus, death is temporary, but life is eternal. From the time that Jesus first discovers that Lazarus is sick, we know that Jesus thinks death is temporary. He talked about Lazarus's illness not ending in death in verse 4 of John 11. He told his disciples that Lazarus was asleep and that he would go and wake him up again in verse 11. And then when he spoke with Martha, he indicated that Lazarus would rise again in verse 23. At the very least, Jesus thought Lazarus's death was temporary. But what's interesting in his conversation with Martha is that Martha wasn't surprised that Jesus would say that Lazarus would rise again. Resurrection wasn't a new concept for her. In fact, the faithful Jews believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed that in the last days, in the age of the Messiah, people would be risen back to life. They believed that death was temporary. Death has never been part of God's good creation. Death only came into the world as a result of human sin. Way back in the story of the Garden of Eden at the start of the Bible, God told the humans that if they were to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. And if you know the story, you know that they ate and they died. Death interfered with life right back then. Death destroyed life. And since that moment, God has always been about destroying death. There was a time when the Jews anticipated that God would act in such a way that people would rise to life. But what Mary and Martha and the other faithful Jews who were gathered around on this particular day, what they weren't anticipating was the immediate and bodily resurrection of Lazarus. When Jesus gets to the tomb uh, and instructs them to remove the stone from the tomb, Martha is horrified. Oh, Jesus, it's going to stink in there. Like, you get death, right? You get that the body starts to decompose and it will smell. In Martha's mind, death had had its power over Lazarus. Death has, has had its way. But death, holds no power over Jesus. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. 
death is temporary, but life can be eternal. Now, if we believe that death is temporary and life can be eternal, it changes how we live. Too often we live like life is temporary. We build lives in the here and now like death is the thing that's eternal and lasting and so we better cram everything into now. But if death is temporary, if life is eternal, there are implications for how we live now. And there's more implications than what we can bear out this evening. Most importantly, it has implications for your own death. Jesus puts it pretty simply and clearly. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that if you live trusting Jesus, that death is not the end, but life in him is? Are you living like life is temporary or do you live like death is temporary? Jesus implores you, Jesus invites you to believe in him, to receive the eternal life that he promises. But that death is temporary and life can be eternal has implications on other things as well, like our use of time. Do we invest in things that will last beyond the grave? It was great to hear Chris and Heather speaking tonight about our children's ministry. And I've been so encouraged to hear stories of people who have jumped into that ministry because they've seen needs, sacrificing themselves in the process, sacrificing time. And I know that not everyone can get involved there. But I urge you, as Chris and Heather have, to consider if you're able to be involved there, but also to take a step back and ask yourself the bigger question. How am I using my time to invest in things that last beyond death? How am I using my time so that the kingdom of God will be extended, so that people who currently do not have eternal life might come to know Jesus and be his lifelong disciples. The belief that death is temporary also has implications for our use of money. St Matt's is a generous church, yet because we're human and because we live in an age that tells us that life is temporary, we need to constantly be challenged about how we use our financial resources. We have to use financial resources in a way that is for temporal things. That we just have to, to live. But it's very easy to prioritise our finances all around the temporal and forget about the eternal. 
If you were to take a look at your finances, the way you use your finances, does it reflect that death is temporary? Or does the use of your finances indicate that death is eternal? Do they indicate that this side of the grave is all there is? Or are your finances building treasure in heaven? Are your finances being used in a way that they will never wear out or rust or corrode or come to nothing? As we approach Thanksgiving Day with the idea that death is not the end but life is, we're encouraged to give to things that will last. As Julie and I have considered this ourselves We're committing this year to give $6,000 towards our Thanksgiving Day projects because we believe and we want to be stretched to give to things that will last. And that will mean sacrificing things in the here and now. But we believe that's a price worth paying for the ministry of the gospel. Now, I know that not all of you are able to do that, to give that. I know that for some of you, you could give more. But it's not even so much about the amount. It's about what happens in our hearts. It's about if we're living consistent with what we believe about life and death. And so I encourage you all to take some time between now and Thanksgiving Day to stop, to pause, to come before God and to reflect on how you are using your finances. Are you giving to his kingdom? Are you seeing your finances being used for eternal things? And are you willing to sacrifice some of the comforts of here and now for the sake of the kingdom of God? The other thing that I wanted to draw out of this passage is that the way that Jesus encounters death shows us again that death is not part of life but life can be a part of death. And we see it particularly in how he interacts with the death scene at the tomb of Lazarus. Now, we know the reality of mourning. We can't avoid it. Uh, If you're young enough to have not yet been to the funeral of someone you love, there will come a time where you will understand the gravitas of that occasion and the mourning that comes with it. And that's what was happening for Mary and Martha. And a whole heap of their friends, fellow Jewish believers, had come down from Jerusalem to Bethany to mourn with them, to grieve with them. When Jesus finally gets there, Mary and Martha come to Jesus and they both remind him separately that if he had been present, Lazarus would not have died. You can see that in verse 21 and verse 32. The grief and distress of Mary and Martha is remarkably human and we can take courage from their grief and distress, i.e. it's very human to grieve when someone that we know has gone to sleep. And while Jesus had another plan 
for Lazarus, death disturbed Jesus as well. We read that Jesus was moved and troubled in spirit in verse 33 and 38. Twice the passage tells us this. Now, another way of expressing this is to say that Jesus was outraged. That's the sense that's going on here. He was outraged. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what is Jesus outraged at? What moved him? Was he troubled or outraged because he hadn't come down earlier? Well, we know that that's not really right because we know that Jesus, from the very first time he heard about Lazarus being sick, said in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, he says it's for God's glory so that God's son might be glorified through it. Jesus had been acting intentionally. I don't think he regrets the timing. So what else is going on? Is he outraged because he just looks at the grief of his friends? Well, maybe, no doubt that did move him and stir him. What is Jesus outraged at? Jesus is outraged at death itself. At death and all the consequences of death that result in all the grief that he experiences around that tomb. He is outraged because death is not part of life. He, the life, Jesus himself, the one through whom all things were made, stands at the tomb of Lazarus, destroyed, outraged, not simply because his friend has passed away, but because of death itself. Death is so outrageous that it brings Jesus, the Lord of life, to tears. And we're told Jesus weeps. He weeps because of death. Death is not part of life. Death is life's enemy. Death is the enemy of God's good creation. And Jesus is outraged by death. Sometimes we speak platitudes about death and disease. And they really don't help us express God's heart for what's happening. Jesus weeps at death. It's not just part of life. It's not meant to be. Nor is it bound to happen. Death, along with the disease that so often brings death on, is an outrageous invasion into God's good creation. It's what Jesus has come to destroy. Are we outraged by death, by its consequence, by the things that bring death about? Are we prepared not to just smooth them over but be a bit uncomfortable, outraged even, at the impact that they have on life. Outraged at the impact 
they have on God's good creation? Do we yearn enough, long enough for God's new creation to come where there will be no more death or crying or mourning or sorrow or pain? Do we long enough for the things eternal to be outraged by the things that have invaded God's good creation now? Jesus doesn't accept death. He doesn't accept its consequences as part of life. With a roar of authority that's reminiscent of the powerful words spoken at the creation, Jesus calls Lazarus back to life. And then there was life. Air is thrust back into Lazarus' lungs. Blood starts to circulate around his body again and his decomposed body is instantly recomposed. The Lord of life restores life. Lazarus leaps out and leaves his tomb. Life becomes part of death. A dead man lives. A key indicator to this new age, the age of the Messiah was resurrection. Here, God reveals his glory. Here, God demonstrates his power. Here, God displays his victory over death. And if this, the resurrection of Lazarus, isn't enough to show God's defeat of death, then just a couple of months later, the crucified Jesus will get up and walk out of his own own tomb, raised from the dead. Life can be part of death. Many of us know the tension of a Christian funeral where on the one hand we are rightly distraught in grief devastated by the loss of a close loved one or a friend, outraged by death. Yet on the other hand, we know of resurrection. We know that death is not part of life, but for those in Jesus, life is a part of death. And we know this tension that causes us to on the one hand grieve, but on the other hand have hope. And the Apostle Paul knew about this too and he writes to the Thessalonians and he says to them, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope in death. He wanted, as Jesus wants, you to know that all who sleep in Jesus have resurrection life. There's no might about it. If you sleep in Jesus, you will be raised. Death is not part of life, but in Jesus, life is a part of death. Oh, that the story of Lazarus would finish with a tombside resurrection party. But as we've seen throughout John's Gospel, People respond in all sorts of different ways. But here, 
at the end of this story of Lazarus' resurrection, there is a deep and profound irony. Jesus, the Lord of life, demonstrates that he is the victor over death and for his trouble, he has death pronounced on him. He gives life while his enemies plot to take away Jesus' life. Rather than celebrate Lazarus' life, they plan to celebrate the death of Jesus, the Lord of life. Hanging over this chapter about death and resurrection life is Jesus' own imminent death and resurrection. The Lord of life undid death in the resurrection of Lazarus. But in his own resurrection, he declared death to be dead, done with. It is Jesus' death that prevents all who believe from perishing. And it is Jesus' rising that declares that death is no longer part of life, but life can be part of death. If you want to learn how to live, don't lie in the ground to contemplate death. Picture God's new creation. Meditate on that. Consider what that will be like and then live with that in your heart and mind. Where's your life orientated? Is your life orientated around the idea that death is just a part of life? Or is your life orientated around the idea that life is a part of death? Let me pray. Lord of life, we thank you for this resurrection story of Lazarus. We thank you, Jesus, that you came into the world to defeat and destroy death. And we thank you that in your death, you did it. We thank you that in your rising to new life, you give us sure and certain hope that we who trust in you will have life. Lord God, help us to live not like death is final but knowing that life is our great cause and purpose. Life forever with you. Strengthen us to live each day in that hope we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.